All right, come on. You guys ready? Come on. I'm believing God wants to do something tonight. I've been praying about this message. I believe God is here already, right? Do you believe that Jesus is here, the Holy Spirit? All right. If you're new with us, I want to say we're glad you're here. You came on Bring a Friend Night, and it's so good to have you. Uh, yeah, Bring a Friend Night is a great time to come uh, because we're planning for you to be here. But we want you to be here every week. We want you to bring friends every week. So if you brought a friend for the first time tonight, you can bring a friend next week as well, okay? So uh, for those of you returning, thank you for bringing your friends and bring more friends next week because we want to reach people, right? That's what we're about. But yeah, so if you're new, our heart and our desire is that you would feel welcomed here, that you would feel loved, that whenever you walk into these doors, whenever you go into a Kyle a small group, that you would feel like, hey, people know my name here and people care about me. Okay, that's our heart for you. And then also we pray that this would be a space where you can encounter God because we really believe that, that God is real, right? I kind of made a joke about that at the beginning, but I believe that God is real. He's actually here. The Holy Spirit is here and he wants to speak to you. So our prayer every Tuesday Every small group, every retreat, everything we do is that you would actually meet with God. We don't want to do religion. We want you to actually meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who we believe is Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you out in the lobby, I'd love to meet you after service. I'd love to know your name and become your friend. So if you want to be my friend, then please talk to me. All right. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So something we do every single year at Chi Alpha is we go on a short-term mission trip over spring break. And honestly, this wasn't even something when I first came here that I thought was that important. I know that sounds terrible. A pastor is saying that mission trips aren't important. I just had never been on one. I became a pastor before uh, going on a mission trip, but maybe there's something wrong with that. But uh, I never had been on one, and I didn't really see the point in trying to raise money and, and worrying about going somewhere else when we have so much to do here. But the first year I was here, our state Chi Alpha director, who's my boss, was planning a mission trip to Las Vegas. And he said, hey, I really think you should bring some students to Vegas and, and come with us, come with our group, because he was the director at Iowa State University. And he said, hey, bring some students. So I was like, okay, I'll advertise this thing. I'll see if people want to go. And we got one person to go, and she was like 25, not a student, but she just wanted to go on a mission trip. So me and this girl went on a mission trip together with another Chi Alpha group, and God totally just rocked my world on this mission trip. If you throw up a picture here, this is a picture of us walking the streets of Vegas. So what we did in Vegas is we went to the ghettos of Vegas, and we'd go door to door, and we'd knock on people's doors. It sounds weird, right? And we'd say, hey, we're just Christians from Iowa, and we're in Vegas, and we want to pray for you. Okay, so that sounds totally weird, totally out of a comfort zone. And for me, it was. Like, I'd never had done something like this. I was scared to death. But, but God, like, absolutely blew my mind. Like, people actually opened up. People actually wanted prayer. And we got to lead, like, at least in my little group, you can see our group there, we got to lead, like, three people to the Lord that day. And or that week, and it was an incredible time, and, and that trip showed me the importance of, of not just staying here in Iowa and just doing ministry here, but also going on these short-term trips, and also the idea of sending people out long-term, sending out missionaries to go live in other contexts, in other communities, other countries, to go and to spread the gospel. There's just something powerful that Jesus does on mission trips. So we've been to, or to Vegas our first year, our second year we went to Atlanta, we uh, worked with uh, the inner city there. And in the last two years, we went to Trinidad, which is a small island just north of Venezuela. And we've done the same thing we did in Vegas, where we go door to door and share the gospel. And next week, we'll announce our mission trips for, the mission trips for next year. So be ready for that. But I'm excited about our missions culture that's developing here. And I pray that you would be excited about it too. Because I believe that God loves the nations. God doesn't just love us. He loves the nations. He loves people in other contexts. And I want God to really grab our hearts. 
for that. So tonight, all of us come in here, and we have our own struggles. You're thinking, I don't want to worry about Vegas. I got my own things going on. I got midterms coming up next week. I got that girl I'm trying to get to go out on a date with me. I got that, or that dude I'm trying to impress tonight. And, and there's so many things going on in your heart. There's, there's family conflicts, maybe sin struggles. There's other things that, that you're consumed with right now. Your thoughts are racing. Some of us aren't thinking about anything. We're just like, <sighs> but there's others of us tonight who are just like, like our thoughts are racing. Like for me, my thoughts race. I think about things all the time. We just go, go, go. Ask my wife. She's like, we just shut your mouth and go to bed? It's like 1030 at night, all right? So for you, we got all these things we're concerned about. But tonight, what I want to do is get outside of ourselves for a night. Stop thinking about us for one night and kind of see what God is doing around the world. So tonight is all about this idea that, that Jesus loves the world. He loves the whole world. He loves people from every nation. He loves people on every continent. And he wants us to love the whole world and not just be so consumed with ourselves. So we're going to uh, continue or actually conclude our Every Tribe series, which is the, week, or the series we've been in the last two weeks. And, and two weeks ago, we zoomed in on God's heart for individuals, Okay. This idea that God loves the one. He loves every single person. He loves you, okay? And then last week, Derek Quimby preached, the guy right here, my brother, and he preached on reaching the campus, and he was just going boom, boom. I was like getting punched, man. That was good stuff. He was preaching last week about uh, just going out and reaching this campus. But uh, now tonight, we're going to talk about, we're going to zoom out even more and see God's heart to reach the world, okay? And this whole series has been based off of Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, where it says, okay, this is the end times, okay? And the Apostle John is getting this vision of heaven, okay? So let's read this, and this is what it's all based off. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that, or that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, which is Jesus. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So uh, the reason I read this verse is we see that this is what heaven looks like. It's people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, not just people from America, not just people from Cedar Falls, but people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping Jesus. And, and tonight, God wants to call us into helping make this happen, helping see people from every place come to know Jesus. All right, so tonight's sermon is titled, For the World. And if you have your Bibles, turn, or turn with me to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be in verse 9 through, I believe it's 17. And if you don't know what Romans is, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul, who was this big church leader when the church first got started, to the church in Rome. Okay, so the Apostle Paul was an, an incredible missionary. He, like, knew how to go into communities that did not know Jesus, preach the gospel, which is the message of Jesus, and help people come to know Jesus. Like, he was a beast at it. He's the best missionary we've ever seen in church history, and he had helped start a church in Rome. And this letter is a letter to the church in Rome explaining to them that God does not just love Jewish people, right? Because, you know, Jesus was a Jew. Did you not know that? Yeah, we know that, right? Jesus was a Jew, and Jews thought that God was just wanting to save them. He just wanted them to be, or to be his people. But Paul is saying, no, it's not just for Jews. It's for Gentiles, or Gentiles as well, which, you know, Gentiles are people who aren't Jews. And, and Paul is trying to get some unity in the church and say, hey, the kingdom of God is for both Jews and Gentiles. It's for people from every single tribe tongue and nation, right? So in Romans chapter 10, Paul explains that, that while God used uh, the nation of Israel, the Jews, to be his unique covenant people in the Old Testament, they did not keep God's covenant. They did not hold up their part of it because, you know, the Jews were supposed to 
keep God's laws. They were supposed to love him with their whole heart, and then they were supposed to help other people come to know God. And, and, and Paul is saying, you weren't able to do that, but Jesus bridges the gap for you. Because Jesus was an Israelite. Okay, he's a Jew. He came, and he loved God with his whole heart. He kept the law to a T, and now he's brought the nations to God. So what Paul is saying is he's saying Jesus is the only way to God. Okay, And he's saying that Jesus is the bridge for both Jews and Gentiles to God. There's no other way. It's not through uh, your ethnicity. It's not through your race. It's not through your good works. It's only through Jesus. Okay, So I want to read this. Well, first I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read this and see what God wants to say to us about his heart for the world. Okay, So uh, Jesus, tonight, I just pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that every heart in this room would hear you tonight. God, I pray that you'd speak to every single person and that this text would come alive to us and that you would call us in to what you have for us as a people. And God, I pray that we would just love the nations, God, that each of us would love every single nation on earth and work to see every nation come to know you. All right, Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so verse 9, okay? And Paul's kind of already talking about something, but we're going to pick it up in the middle here, okay? So he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus or believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Okay, that's what I was talking about. There's no dis- uh, distinction for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, which is Jesus, will be saved. Okay, so the first thing I want you to get tonight is Jesus is on a mission to save the world. Paul starts this portion of the passage by explaining how Jesus is saving the world. He explicitly explains how individuals can come to know God, how individuals can be forgiven for their sins and brought into relationship with God. I want to look at what he says so we can see explicitly how we can be saved, okay? Because Scripture tells us, and I think we know from our own experience, that all of us are born sinful and separated from God, okay? So how does Jesus bridge the gap? How can we be saved? How can we have that gap bridged? How can we come into relationship with God? Okay, so let's start with what Paul says in verse 10. He says, for with the heart one believes and is justified. Okay, so Paul says, if you believe in your heart, then you can be justified. Well, what does he mean by justified? I don't know about you, but I didn't know what that meant when I first read that for the first time. I don't know what justified means. You know, justified is the action of being they're being made right with God, okay? So he's saying, if you want to be right with God, if you want your relationship with God restored, then you have to believe. But the question is, believe in what? And this is where verse 9 helps us out. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So to be saved, we must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that he is Lord. I would add to that Uh, that we must not only believe that he was raised from the dead, but also that he died on the cross for our sins, okay? So when Jesus died on the cross, maybe you heard of that, him dying on the cross, we celebrated it at Easter, you see cross necklaces. When he did that, he paid the debt of sinners, okay? Because we all sin, we're all separated from God, we all have our own junk, and when Jesus died, he said, I'm paying for all that sin. I'm making it so when God looks at you, he doesn't have to see your sin. Instead, he sees, okay, debt is marked as paid, okay? And we see that, In chapter 5 of Romans, Paul says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more than shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Okay, so Jesus' blood, sounds creepy, but his blood covers our sins, all right? So the point I'm making 
is for us to be saved, we have to believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead, which sounds crazy, and also that he died on the cross for our sins. And not only that, but that he lived a perfect life, that he was a sinless man, and that he lived a life that each of us were supposed to live. Okay, so essentially, Jesus did what we can't do. He lived a perfect life, he paid for our debt, and he rose from the grave. Okay, so for all of us, we can't live a perfect life, and we can't adequately pay our debt unless we you know, die and go to hell. And we can't be raised from the dead unless God does something, right? So Jesus did all the things we can't do. Just as Casey was talking about, yes, we are not enough on our own. This is what Paul is saying. We are not enough on our own. But if we trust, if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he is able to save us, then he will be faithful to save us. Okay, so 1 John tells us that if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, all right? So Paul is saying if we want to be saved, we have to put all of our trust in Jesus. And I want to say, too, that this doesn't look like just praying a prayer, okay? Some of you grew up in church, and, and a pastor or maybe a friend has told you, if you just pray this prayer, you're saved. You're getting into heaven. Here's your get-out-of-hell-free card. Okay, that's not how it works, though, because this idea of belief is not just that you believe that Jesus is God, okay? That's not all you're believing, because demons believe that Jesus is God, all right? So you're not just believing that or saying, okay, intellectually, I can say that Jesus is God. Instead, you're believing in such a way that it changes the way you live. Because true belief, if you really believe that Jesus rose from the grave, it's going to change the way you live, right? If we believe in a dude that uh, was in the ground or in a tomb and dead, and then he came up out of it, then that should change the way we live. And that's what it means to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. When we confess that he is Lord, we're saying, he is God, he is my master, I'm going to obey him. Okay, so it's not just intellectual assent, it is true belief. It's, it's throwing your whole trust into Jesus, Okay, so that's how we're saved. We throw our trust into Jesus. We confess that he's Lord. But the question remains, who can be saved? Okay, so in verse 12, he says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. People from Africa, people from Asia, people from North America, South America, even Australia, even Antarctica. I don't know if there's anybody there. But point is, Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And he's the same Lord of all. So Paul is saying every single person can be in the family of God. Every single person. It's not by our works. It's not by our ethnicity. Instead, it's by trusting in Jesus Christ. I've often heard people make crazy statements like Christianity is just a religion for Western people. Okay? And by Western, I'm not talking about the wild, wild west out in wherever that's at. I'm talking about the West as in Western civilization, okay? There's a lot of people who say things like that, like, oh, Christianity is just for Western civilization, but that could not be further from the truth. Okay, so when Christianity started, it started in the Middle East, right? In the middle of the Middle East. And then it spread into Europe and into North America, and then the West became the center of Christianity. But now what we're seeing, it's really interesting. As the church is struggling in the West, I'll be the first to admit it, it's struggling a little bit. The church is booming in the global south. In China, the underground church is booming, even in, even in the midst of government oppression. It's booming in Africa. Like, I, I tell you guys, I think sometimes we have this idea like, oh, Africa's where we go on mission to. I'm telling you, the people I've met from Africa, like, like they're getting me saved. I'm just saying. Like, like, they're going after Jesus. I'm not saying every single person from Africa who's a Christian is legit, but I'm just saying, like, those people go after God, right? So Africa is growing in Brazil and South America. So actually, in our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, which is what Kyle was connected with, our largest representation is in Brazil, not in America. And it actually started in America. 
Okay, so this shows us that Christianity works in every single culture. Every culture, Christianity blossoms. Okay, Middle East, in the West, and now in the global South and the East. It's amazing. It works everywhere. It works in every single nation. Okay, so Matthew 24, verse 14 says this. Uh, so we read in Revelation about how every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship Jesus. In Matthew 24, it says something It says something similar. It says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the point I'm making is Jesus wants people from every single nation, every single people group. And he won't come back until he gets people from every single people group. So that's including uh, the tribes in Africa that are so hard to get to. I mean, just last week we had fall retreat, and we had a preacher from Alaska come. And there are, are villages that are almost inaccessible in Alaska, God wants to get people from every single little group before he's going to come back, okay? And, and the question is, how are we going to do this? Well, like we got to be a part of going to see that happen, right? And sending people to go and get people from every single nation, because God loves all people, all right? So uh, with this in mind, we need to know that, that Jesus is on a mission to save the whole stinking world, the whole thing, right? Not just Cedar Falls, the whole world. I love Cedar Falls. I'm called here, and I want everyone to stay here and hang out with me and just reach every person here. But no, he's called, or Jesus wants to save the whole world. So we have to be a part of that. We have to, to go and send and see the whole world come to know Jesus. So I want to keep reading what Paul says, because he really gets into this now. So in verse 14, he continues, and he explains how we go and reach the rest of the world. So he says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they all have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so my second and last point tonight is to save the world, we must both go and send people out to proclaim the gospel. Okay, so the gospel is the message of Jesus. I explained it when I talked about how he came and lived a perfect life, how he died and how he rose from the grave. That's the gospel. So when I say the gospel, that's what I'm talking about. So to save the world, we must go and preach this gospel so people can confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay, so in this uh, last part of the passage, Paul, or Paul asks a series of uh, rhetorical questions. He says, how can people call on Jesus unless they believe? If they don't believe, they can't call. And then he asks, how can they believe unless they hear he follows that with, how are they to hear unless someone preaches? Yeah, so they can't believe unless they hear about Jesus. Although Jesus sometimes reveals himself to people in dreams, you hear about it in nations like Iran, where Jesus will come and reveal himself in dreams, where it's hard to get the gospel through. Jesus does that at times. But for the most part, God calls us to go and preach. And if we don't preach, then they're not going to hear, they're not going to believe, they're not going to call, they're not going to be saved. Okay, and and the last question he asks, he says, how are they to preach unless they're sent? So it's important to know when he says preach, he's not talking about what I'm doing necessarily right now, although I am preaching. But he's talking about going out as a herald, as someone who proclaims a message out into the community and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Being sent by someone else who has higher authority than you, which is God, to a community to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, uh, believe in your heart that he is Lord and be saved. Okay, that's what he's talking about here when he says preach. He's not talking about having more people preach in churches on Sunday mornings, although that's important. I love doing that. Okay, but proclaimers of Jesus' gospel can't go unless they're sent. Okay, so both God and other followers of Jesus must send people 
to the nation. So I want to illustrate this with the chart, okay? So I love charts. I tried one last year. If you were here, it was really bad. So I had Casey make this one. But, uh, okay, so it's this idea, okay? So first, people are sent to a community, okay? So I feel like I've been sent to you and I, okay? So they go to a community, and they preach. They share the love of Jesus with the community. The people hear, and they, uh, the people decide whether or not they want to believe. Okay, it's not up to the preacher to decide. Okay, so if you've been sharing the love of Jesus with people and people aren't responding to you, it ain't on you. It's on God to do it. It's on them to decide to believe. So they hear, and then they believe. God does something in their heart. They believe, and then out of that, they call upon the name of Jesus. And then it says they're saved, which is uh, just this idea of being justified, of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of them and then becoming a new creation. But here's the thing. After you're saved, then again, you should be sent Okay, so whether or not you're being sent to Africa or you're being sent to Cedar Falls, the point is every single follower of Jesus Christ needs to live like they're sent. Okay, I don't care if you just got saved last week at Chi Alpha, I want to send you out right now. Go ahead and go start telling people. It's not about having a bunch of knowledge in your head. It's not about knowing the whole Bible, although I want you to know those things. But it's about believing in your heart and then telling other people, hey, Jesus is Lord, Uh, believe in him, he wants to save you right? That's all you have to say. You share your story. Hey, every single follower of Jesus is a sent one, okay? So let me explain this by sharing my story, just a little bit of it, okay? So there are so many people who played a pivotal role in me coming to know Jesus as my Lord, but I just want to highlight one tonight, okay? This is kind of the girl who started it all, and her name is Dona Morris. I think uh, she's probably in her 50s or 60s now, but uh, neither of my parents grew up in the church. They weren't Christians, uh, they didn't come from Christian families. Like, all my uncles and aunts on my mom's side went to prison at some point. Okay, so just a crazy background. It's kind of, you know, it's fun in some way. I don't know why it's fun, but it's just crazy. Okay, so anyways, they came from, a, you know, tough backgrounds. And when I was four years old, my mom was drinking and driving, and she got in a car accident, and she broke her neck. Okay, and, and Derek was the little tiny baby, a few months old. He was in the back seat, and God protected him, all that, so that's cool. But, but she got in a car accident, and she broke her neck, and... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, so Dona, this lady, okay, she was the secretary at our family doctor's office, okay? And she did not like my mother, okay? Because my mom's late a lot. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you. She listens every week, so sorry, Mom. But uh, so, so she was always late. And Dona was a little crabby, too, we'll be honest, okay? Sorry. I love you, Dona. I don't think she listens to this. But point is, she was crabby. My mom was late. It just wasn't a good recipe, okay? They weren't great friends. But after my mom broke her neck, uh, she needed people to come and watch me and Derek during the day because she would stay home with us and watch us. And, and she found someone for every day of the week besides one. Okay, there's one day she needed to fill, and Dona was the only one who was willing. Okay, so Dona was, or, well, yeah, was at the time a pastor's wife, and her and her husband had been saved out of a lifestyle of drug abuse and alcohol, all that kind of stuff. And she was wanting to, sh- or to show the love of Christ to my mom, so she said, hey, I'll watch your kids one day a week. So they would sit together as she'd watch me, or watch me and Derek and and share the gospel with my mom. And after some time, my mom believed in Jesus. She explains it as she was looking out the window at like 3 o'clock in the morning and just knew in her heart that Jesus was Lord, and she believed in him, and she became a Christian. And shortly after, my dad followed suit. He became a Christian. So for me, all I've known is the church. And I've had my own story where I've fallen away at times, and there's been other people who have come along the way. But the point is, Dona experienced the grace of Jesus, And then she was sent to my mom, and my mom experienced the grace of Jesus. And then, in a sense, my mom was sent to me. She discipled me growing up in some ways. And now I've been sent to you, okay? So it's this idea that now God wants to send you if you haven't already been sent. Okay, God wants to send you. And this chain is just going to keep going 
going, going. And that's how we reach the nations, people reaching people who reach people, okay? So to end our time together, I just want to share a few things to encourage you with as you think about going out and reaching out to your friends. So the first thing is we have to remember that the Holy Spirit's going to help us. Okay, so just after Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make other disciples, he then tells them in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the point is the Holy Spirit empowers you. So as you go and try to reach out to your friends, the Holy Spirit is going to help you. Okay, second thing is this. I believe God calls us uh, to live on mission where we're at. Okay, so right here, right now, God wants you to live on mission. He doesn't want you to wait till you go to Africa or somewhere else. He wants you to live on mission right here in Cedar Falls. Be, before you can go to the ends of the earth, you have to go to Jerusalem, so to speak, right? So go here right now. So Matthew 28 it says, Go uh, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is calling you into that, whether that's here in Cedar Falls or somewhere else. He wants you to make disciples, baptize, and teach people to follow Jesus. All right, the third thing is this, and this is going to take a second. So the third thing is we must go to other communities, either short-term or long-term, to be the feet who bring the good news. In verse 15, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. In that day, feet were really, really stinky. Like, you think your feet stink now? They're real stinky back then because they wore sandals all the time. If you know someone who wears sandals, like, ooh, that is nasty. All right, so they wore sandals, and they uh, travel on foot. Like they go across the hills, across the valleys, they travel on foot. They, uh, you know, sometimes they would you know, take a camel or something, but, you know, they didn't have a Ferrari or, uh, or your uh, beautiful, um, I'm trying to think of a, oh, a, a Ford Taurus. I was trying to think of a car that, that you know, maybe a college student would have. But anyway, so uh, they didn't have that, all right? So the feet had to go bring the good news, right? So for us, we have to be willing to be those feet. If you know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, I'm not asking you to be the feet tonight, all right? I'm asking you to hear the first part where I say confess your mouth to Jesus is Lord, but if you know Jesus, you got to go be the feet, all right? you got to go be the feet who go and share the gospel, who bring the good news. So we can do this in a couple ways. We can do this on short-term trips and also long-term trips. In the next few weeks, as I said, we're going to be announcing our short-term trips for 2020, and we'll definitely do one over spring break and possibly one over the summer, which I'm working on. We'll see. Be praying for me on that one. But we go because, uh, not because we think we're going reach to everybody, reach everybody on these uh or in these different communities in just a week's time. That doesn't happen, right? But we go because God does unique things on these trips. He does special things. When we get out of our own comfort zone and go to another culture, experience different kinds of people, God does something amazing. So there's a few ways I think these trips benefit us. The first thing is that it, it te- or they enable us to engage cross-culturally with different kinds of lost people than the ones you might interact with here in Cedar Falls, Okay. It shows us God's heart for other cultures. And make no mistake, you live in an area where people need to hear the gospel. You need to preach it here. But there's something special about going somewhere else with a different culture, different community, and engaging with people there who don't know Jesus. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is these trips give us a chance to not be distracted by everyday life. It's a very intentional week where you're just focused on being missionaries to this certain community. It helps to kind of remove all the distractions, all the barriers that uh, you might have in a given week here at UNI, like classes and friends and all this other stuff. You, instead, there's a week or a month or whatever where you're just focused on doing the mission of Christ in this community. Okay, the third thing is these trips push you outside your comfort zone. Do you think I wanted to go up to houses in the ghetto in Vegas and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus today? No, I didn't. That was scary stuff. There's one guy who he was like tripping out of his mind, and he scared the crap out of me, but 
I went and it pushed me out of my comfort zone and it taught me something, which is actually the fourth thing. As I went out of my comfort zone and learned to share with people in Vegas, it helped me to do it better back here, right? If I can do it in Vegas in the ghettos, I can do it here with you and I students. You guys are all so sweet and so nice for the most part. And I can do it here. Or some of you are a little feisty. I'm just kidding. You guys are all great. But if I can do it there, I can do it here. And that's what it does. When you go on these mission trips, it helps you to be able to do it here, all right? So that's why we do short-term mission trips. I just wanted to share that before we announce the trips. As you're praying about whether or not God's calling you to go, I pray that you would just really ask him to lead you and, and to be the, uh, the one who makes that decision for you. Don't just decide not to go because you don't feel like it or don't feel like raising the money. Instead, ask God, hey, do you want me to go on this trip? All right, so the last reason, the last thing we need to re- uh, remember as we're trying to reach the world is we also need to send other people out. Okay, so we, uh, you know, first have to... Uh, Remember that the Spirit will help us. We must, you know, go to our own community and go to other communities. But also, we have to send people, okay? God has called the church, people who follow Jesus, to send others out to the nations uh, to go and to reach others, okay? So first, you can do that by sending people here, by actually making disciples here in Cedar Falls and then sending, or sending them out as well. So maybe you grew up in Norn. Okay, you're in Norn Hall right now. Not grew up, but you live in Norn. Okay, you find someone from Hageman. <laughs> you find someone in Hageman. Okay, you go to Hageman. Okay, the Hageman person finds someone in Campbell. Okay, Okay, go to Campbell, all right? And you can send people right here, right now by making disciples, teaching people to follow Jesus, and then sending them out. So small group people, if you're in a small group, okay, it's not just your small group's job to go reach out. It's also your job. They're sending you out saying, hey, go bring your friends to small group this week. Okay, so that's one way you can do it. A second way is to encourage those that you're discipling to consider maybe God might be calling them to go somewhere else, to go out of here after they graduate to be a missionary, or to go to a community strategically and to give their lives to see a community reach, uh, or to see a community come to know Jesus. But here's the last thing, and this is the one you're all gonna love, because we love our, our money, right? The third thing is you gotta financially support people who are willing to go. Okay, so I have a couple friends who are in Turkey right now, okay, and, and this is a place where there's no Christians, at least in the part where they're in. There's like no Christians, there are a few now because they're there. But like when I heard they were going, I was like, I better support these people right? Because I ain't going to Turkey. Like, if God calls me to, I will, but I ain't going to Turkey, right? Unless he calls me to. You got to say that, right? But I ain't going. So point is, I support them, right? Because they're willing to go. So if you know someone, or if you hear about someone who's willing to go to these places that are hard, you better get your pocketbooks out, okay? And that doesn't benefit me. I'm not asking you to give it to me. I'm saying get them out and and give to people who are willing to go, because those who are, are willing to go can't go unless we support them financially, Okay, so I encourage you, if you're not giving, you could do it even now. I don't care if you make 10 bucks a week, give a buck to a missionary. I'm telling you, like, they're pretty broke. I'm actually a missionary, if you didn't know that. Uh, so I'm not saying give it to me. I'm saying, like, we're broke. So, hey, go ahead and give it, right? Because they need that dollar, okay? So point is, God has called us to be a part of sending as well. So we go and we send. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say to you tonight? All right, so the main idea, the big idea tonight, is Jesus wants to partner with us to save the world. I recognize in a room this size, especially on Bring a Friend Night, all of you came in here at different places in your journey. Some of you are like, I love Jesus. He's awesome. Woohoo. Okay? There's others who are like, I don't know about Jesus. There's others who, like, you say, oh, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. Like, I prayed a prayer once, but you're not actually following him, right? You might say you're a Christian, but you're not really following him. Okay, so we all come from different places in our journey. And I just want to speak to each of these groups for a second. So, you know, for those of you who are committed followers of Jesus and and you're growing in your faith, I just want to encourage you tonight that, that God is on the move across the world. And he wants you to be part of it. He doesn't want you to be so tunnel vision here in Cedar Falls that you miss what he's doing around the world. He wants you to be a part of it. 
He doesn't want you to be closed off from what he's doing in other cities and other nations and, and states, but he wants you to be engaged. He, I believe he wants you to go on short-term mission trips, okay? Because I never went on one until I became a pastor because I had to kind of. My boss is like, you better go on this trip. Uh, and I'm so glad I did. And I realized, wow, God was probably calling me to go on all those other trips, but I was too scared or didn't want to raise the money. Because as, as soon as I went, God just wrecked me on that trip. And every year he does something unique on each trip. So I want you to pray about if God might be calling you to go on a trip so you can go and learn to engage with different kinds of people. And also, if you're a committed follower of Jesus, I do want you to consider partnering with missionaries financially, both now and then as you graduate from college and go out from here. I just pray that you'd be a generous person. But there's others of you tonight. Like, you came in here and you're like, you know, I prayed a prayer of salvation, you know, and you'd probably go to heaven today if you died. Like, you're not really sure, but you think you're gonna go to heaven if you die because, you know, you, you prayed the prayer. But if you're honest, you really haven't, engaged in the mission of God. Like when I talk, about, I talk about this idea of all Christians being sent ones, you're like, what? Me? I thought that was the pastor's job, right? And if that's you tonight, I just want to speak to you. I just want to say that, that Jesus is calling you to get in the game, right? Jesus can do way more through all of us than just me or just our staff here at Chi Alpha. If all of us get engaged in the mission of God on our campus, I'm just telling you, hell has no hold on this campus if that happens. Like if we really put on our our shoes, right? And we bring the gospel. We're that feet that are bringing, or those beautiful feet that are bringing the good news to our campus if we all do that. And you can get some white kicks like these. I'm just saying, like those are really beautiful. You put those on and you start going on campus like, yo, I'm bringing the gospel to this campus. Every day you view it that way. If you do that, I'm telling you, people are gonna respond because Jesus is for all people. He works for everybody. There's people who will reject him, that's true. But Jesus loves to save those who seem so unlikely. He loves to do it. He's done it to me over and over again. There's people out me that like, oh, there's no way they're going to follow Jesus. And then they blow my mind. They start following him. They start obeying him. They start giving it all for him. So point is, tonight, if you haven't been engaged in the mission of God, it's your night. God's calling you to be a part of it. He's calling, they're calling you to be a part of saving the world. All right, and finally, I think some of us came in here tonight, and we don't have relationship with God. We don't even know if, if Jesus is Lord yet. We're, we just came tonight because a friend invited us and said, hey, if you come, I'll buy you coffee. Or if you come, I'll feel good because it's bring a friend night. And you're supposed to bring a friend. Will you please come? And, and maybe that's you tonight. You came and, and you don't even really want to be here. You know, maybe you once followed God in the past, but you've walked away. Or maybe you never have. And I just, I just believe God wants to do something with you tonight. Maybe you didn't listen to this whole sermon, but I just pray that you would listen right now. I believe God wants to meet with you. When I said at the beginning that, that the Holy Spirit is here, that God is here, I meant it. God wants to meet with you tonight. And I think some of you are thinking, you know, I got too much junk in my life. I'm not ready to really follow God. I'm not really ready to give these things up. I just want to say that Jesus can help you. Jesus can help you. Jesus can forgive you. He can empower you to, to walk away from those things that are holding you back and, and to be the person that he's called you to be. All you got to do it's just say, all right, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Just throw your trust into him, and he'll change you on the inside. I really believe that. So if that's you tonight, I'm just praying that, that you would stop trying to live your life the way that you want to live it, and instead yield and submit to Jesus, because his way is way better than your way. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm calling myself out, right? I've tried to do my own thing before. But Jesus is way better than anything you can come up with. So I just pray tonight that you just trust him. All right, so if you stand with me, we're going to close here.
If you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for us. So there's always two ways to respond at Chi Alpha. And the first one is just uh, a chance if, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, or maybe you once were, but you walked away, it's a chance for you to trust Jesus, for you to do what Romans 10 talks about, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. It, it's just a chance to do that. And the way we do that is you just, every eye is closed in the room, so no one's looking around, we're just, you know, heads bowed, eyes closed, and then I count to three, and when I do, you slip up your hand, you're saying, all right, Jesus, I confess that you're Lord, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. You don't have to say anything, you just raise your hand as a signal to God, it's just kind of your signal saying, all right, Jesus, I trust you. And so I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to slip up your hands. If you want to get right with God tonight, it's your time, all right? So one, two, three, slip up all across this room. See that hand, I see that hand. A lot of people raising their hands right now. Is there anybody else? All right, you can put them down. I'm going to pray for you. And guys, it's not about praying some magic formula to get saved or get a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's about putting your trust in Jesus. So just pray in your heart. If you just want to say, hey, Jesus, I trust you. That's all you got to say, and he'll save you, all right? So I'm going to pray. Jesus, uh, tonight we just come to you, and we confess uh, with our mouth. Well, not literally. Right now I'm confessing, though, God, uh, that, that you're Lord. God, we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead. And God, I just pray that you would save us, God. I pray that you would change hearts all across this room. God, I pray that you would just completely transform those who raised their hands. And that, and that each of us would be in right relationship with you. All right, God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. All right, there's one more way to respond, okay? And this is for people, if you are already following Jesus, or maybe you just prayed that prayer, and you're saying, hey, I want to be the sent ones. I want to put on those kicks and be the... Uh, or be the beautiful feet who are bringing the good news, right? If you want to be a sent one, I just want you to, uh, just right now, lift up your hands to heaven, okay? You can lift up one or two, whatever you want. And we're just going to tell God, all right, God, here we are. Send us. Send us to the world. All right, Jesus, tonight, we just pray that you would send us. God, I pray that you'd send us to Cedar Falls. I pray that you'd send us uh, to you and I and to Hawkeye. God, I pray that we'd make disciples right here. But God, I also pray that you would send us out to the world, whether that be through financially giving to people or by going ourselves. God, I pray that each and every person in this room would be fully engaged in the mission of God across the earth. So God, we just thank you for that, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.